3: Oh that yeah. oh, that one about uh, someone
2: said he would could marry his daughter or something?
3: Yeah. Yeah, that was
2: next. <laughs> yeah, I saw that one. <laughs>
3: Welcome to the Touchlines and Touchdowns podcast, the world's first and therefore greatest football football mashup podcast. We don't talk about basketball. Can't make us. It's not. You can't. Uh, I am your host, Asa, a.k.a. The Twig. I am here with my co-host, as always, uh, Napoleon Gregg, a.k.a. The Stump. Uh, We are the new owners of the Chelsea Football Club, so um, let us know what, what, what you think we should do with the club. Uh, but uh, we, uh, we are happy to, to, uh, to say thanks to our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by the Smith Workforce Management Group. For all of your uh, business law, personal injury law, defense needs, check out the Smith Workforce Management Group at smithworkforce.com, as well as whoever Blue Wire decides to put in. Uh, like I said, they put in O'Reilly Auto Parts the other day. That was fun. I enjoyed that. Um, it's been a lot of Shopify, Indeed, uh, WestJet. Sometimes uh, we're good with all of them. Uh, they continue to pay us. Uh, this is a, a, a special episode devoted to off-topic season, because we are in the throes of, of the off-season, and the RCMB calls it OT season, so we'll call it OT season. We are joined by our good friend Nick, uh, who, is, who is with us, as always, to talk uh, about the hand egg, and our, uh, our the, the king, I'm going to say the king, certainly the chief of MSU Twitter, uh, Mr. Odell Bredham Jr. Uh, Brett, how are we doing?
2: Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, very excited for this, yeah, and I'm 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 doing excellent. Um, I will say, roughly 24 hours ago, we we're getting our heart ripped out, but I would say, just like any good breakup or heartbreak as a teenager, you you overcome it. You listen to some sad music and kind of <laughs> keep the ball moving. So yeah, we're in, we're in the recovery stage now. Uh,
3: like I said, we uh we don't know about basketball. We're not aware of it as a concept. Uh, whatever happened last night certainly was an aberration. Um, not something uh, that will be repeated in the near future. Um, and by the time, uh, dear listener, you are listening to this, um, on to the next game, because uh, for some reason, we have three games in eight days here, because certain teams are ducking cowards, Johan. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, so uh, so because it's off-topic season, because we need to figure out things to talk about, because we can only talk so much about uh, soccer and to be honest, Harry Potter, uh, which is what we do with our other times, um, <laughs> we are here to talk about legacies and coaching legacies, because um, as, as Nick will attest, every time we get into this sort of coaching carousel season, people overrate and underrate people for seemingly no reason. Uh, Nick, how do you feel about Jim Caldwell? Just apropos of nothing.
0: Jim Caldwell? Like I'm good with Jim Caldwell. What do you you, we're talking about Jim
3: Caldwell right now? I I wanted to start it off on a on, on a note that uh that that we've talked about before like how how in Detroit he's somehow both wildly overrated and wildly underrated um he like he's the only uh Lions head coach to have a winning record since like the 30s but he also like won up or didn't win a playoff game so you know that's, that's sort of like the, the, the ground that we want to break here on this podcast. Um, and really what I, what I want to start with is obviously Mel Tucker. So um, Mel Tucker is in, he's, a, he's about to start year three at Michigan State. Um, you know, he, he made it clear that this is year three, not year two or year one. Like there, there was like that year zero comment. Um, he, he opposed it. So Brett, I want to go to you first here. Two years in. Um, where where do you see Mel Tucker in, in sort of like a legacy di- discussion? Like at this point, where do you see him at and where do you see him going?
2: Yeah, in terms of where he's at, it, it, it's really interesting because obviously the first year was, I mean, well, we've never seen anything like it in terms of kind of the, the circumstances behind it, him coming in and not being able to meet the team until basically three weeks before kickoff. but. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the whole year zero, year one, people can debate that. But in terms of his legacy and where it's at now, yeah, I mean, it, I, this upcoming season is really going to determine a lot because, obviously, coming off 11-win season, uh, New Year's Six Bowl being 2-0 against the main rival, uh, I mean, things – we're still in that honeymoon stage where everything is perfect. So, I mean, recruiting is amazing. So, but I think it's going to come down to this year in terms of if, if he's able to kind of propel himself into that – elite category of not only Michigan state coaches, but really around the country. Uh, I mean, if he if he goes out and has another double digit win beats, beats the rivals, wins another big bowl game, or even potentially makes it to Indianapolis. I mean, we're going to have to have the discussion of where he sits in the, the top 10 couch ranks as total coaches. So in terms of his legacy right now, uh, he's, he's the darling of everyone's eye and rightfully so uh, he he's done. Uh, he's been able to turn this program around and, such quick fashion and really just kind of elevate it into a tier one program overall so that that's kind of where things stand right now and I think that really coming up he's going to have the chance to move from being a great like Michigan State coach into potentially one of the best in uh America
3: and I I think that that's like sort of like and and we talk a lot about Michigan State here in Michigan and 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 the Lions I guess um are, are talking about the lions is sort of sad, admittedly. Not on purpose. Yeah, not on like purpose. It, it, it's always an accident. We just kind of wander into it. <laughs> um, but it's it's a funny thing with Michigan State because amongst elite coaches, um, it's it's within the first three years that they pop, right? Like within the first three years of Trestle at Ohio State, he won a title. Within the first three years of Saban at LSU, he won a title. Urban at Florida and Ohio State, um, like you can usually tell within the first three years. Uh, and we saw with D'Antonio in year two, uh, nine and four, uh, right there for a Big Ten title on the last day of the season. Um, you know, we'll talk about Jim Harbaugh in a second, but year two of Jim Harbaugh, he was a defensive stand away from, from Indy. Um, and then he didn't sniff it again for five years, six years. Um, but like, you you can usually tell if a coach is going to do it or not do it in the first two, three years. And really, in, I'm, I mean, look, I know it's year two. I know that Coach Tucker called it year two. That COVID year was weird. Like it, I, I don't hold it for or against anybody. Like we talked last summer about how all the Michigan fans who wanted to fire Jim Harbaugh were, over the COVID season were idiots, um, and right. and we were we were correct about that. Um, but like this is year. I mean, if you want to call it year two, it's year two. I mean, Michigan State went from what are we doing to a a mediocre defense away from elite and like that's that's a pretty crazy like concept especially at michigan state
1: and especially such a short time period
3: yeah so like and and i think it's it's interesting because like the way that the the team flipped right like for for the, for the end of the d'antonio era like that defense was like what carried what we were doing like it, it made it okay and then suddenly it's like oh we don't have a defense but we have offensive firepower like i think i think shut down full cast said like it's super weird to see a fun Michigan State offense yeah like we're not we're not used to, like the last fun Michigan State offense was what like the John L. Smith era
0: yeah like <laughs> are we talking about um D'Antonio's legacy at all yeah on this, of course or? of course
3: that that's coming up in, in it I mean because you can't talk about Tucker without talking about D'Antonio's legacy because oh, look I love Mark D'Antonio as much as anybody I i Somebody on this podcast sent me like a shrine photo of Mark Dantonio, and it's in my it's in my home right now. Um, but no <laughs> hints, it was me. <laughs> no. um, but like the thing is with Dantonio, like he didn't leave the program in a great spot, right? Um, so no, like, like that's what we're
0: talking about with Tucker turning it around. Is be- it's all his fault? <laughs> it's all Dantonio's fault.
3: Yeah, and like I I have no doubt that that Dantonio towards the end of his tenure, like he struggled to recruit and, and Brett, like, I think that you can probably speak to like the, the Tucker recruiting angle, but like D'Antonio towards the end, like there, there was a retrospective in the athletic today about the 2018 class, which is probably like the last class that D'Antonio was like really able to engage with. And like three were multi-year starters. Now, some of that is like, Elijah Collins would have been a starter if not for COVID in 2020 and a literal Heisman candidate in 2021. Um, you know, but here we are. Like, the, there were three multi-year starters. Um, one of them is Xavier Henderson, who's, who's you know, no no problems there. Uh, Jacob Slade was like the pure D'Antonio find, right? Like the random try-hard white dude from Ohio who is, I mean, he was the best – one of the best players on that defense last year? I mean, is yeah. that, is that a hot take? No. I think that's, that's very fair. Um, so, like, so, so you look at, like, the way that D'Antonio is recruiting at the end and the way that Tucker's recruiting now. Um, like – and it's not like D'Antonio was ever a great recruiter. I mean, he, he knew who he wanted, and the one time he tried to, like, sort of boost Michigan State into the next level, it, like, pretty famously flamed out in a horrendous fashion <laughs> um yeah, absolutely uh so so like i i think that like when you talk about tucker and, and like i want i want to focus on tucker now but we'll talk about d'antonio in a second like it's it's frankly shocking i mean what what was the recruiting class ranked this year like 20 19 23 23 i mean that would be what the second best class of the d'antonio era
2: yeah
3: yeah, and he did that coming off of a 2 and 5 COVID
2: season. <laughs> right, and only being able to have kids visit starting in basically June. So, I mean, you had all these – you're competing against schools that have been able to have kids on campus for multiple years and have these long relationships, and you really just have – I mean, there are concerns with, with this recruiting class going back to, I mean, February, March, April, where we're losing kids to West Virginia and Arizona State, and people are thinking, okay – what what's going on like is this recruiting class ever going to get on the road but like coach Tucker said he's like hey we just got to get kids on campus once they can physically see what we're able to offer in terms of uh, the facilities classrooms uh everything uh even I'm I'm sure you you just walk on Grand River and you kind of get the impact of being in East Lansing so yeah it's just once they were able to just show kids that that's when things really took off.
3: Yeah. And I, I think that that's sort of like a testament to who Tucker is as a coach. Like Mark D'Antonio was in this, like Mark D'Antonio was the public face of Nick Saban, but without the D's nuts aspect. And I I say the D's nuts aspect because Mark, because Nick Saban, even back at Michigan state, he, he was, he was an elite recruiter. I mean, people forget that like, because it was like before the, like the rivals era, but like Mark D'Antonio brought Charles Rogers and Jeff Smoker and T.J. Duckett to East Lansing. Those players were wanted by everybody. Like he got who he wanted, even at Michigan State, and and would have stayed and all that. And D'Antonio had like the sardonic, like close to the vest. I'm, I'm not going to show emotion, uh, other than negative emotion. But like he didn't really go out and recruit folks. I mean, Tucker and 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 part of that is who you hire as as an assistant, like. Brendan Jordan, uh, the 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 pass rush coordinator, is the most inspired assistant coach hire I've, I've ever seen. Like I I don't think that I'm I'm being crazy. Like we've never seen like a random dude off the street, and he was essentially a random dude off the street. Nobody knew who he was outside of like elite NFL circles. Um, he was like a he was a position coach at like Austin key. and then suddenly it's like wait wait, wait, wait. he's he's an assistant on field assistant coach, and then. What the next week, Michigan State gets their like best out of state recruit ever. In in um Andrew did I'm not going to pronounce his last name right? DePape DePape Yep yeah.
2: DePape Yep
3: Um, and like that I mean that's part of of what Tucker's building here. So like that's that's something, and and I don't really know like that there's like that much more to say about Tucker. Obviously we're really we're really on the 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 early end. Um but I think like in terms of like what Tucker's building and what like we've seen at Michigan state and look, I've been a Michigan state fan since like the mid nineties. And I've like, I've seen the ups, I've seen the downs. I don't see, I don't, I don't, I don't remember an energy at Michigan state like this. Um, And I was like, I was old enough to like, my brother went to a, a camp that Nick Saban was holding for like eighth graders or ninth graders. So like, I was, I was like vaguely aware of that, but like, Tucker's doing something different. And it's, it's interesting because he, he really is playing a different game, right? Like D'Antonio was just like, I'm going to take what Ohio state doesn't want from Ohio and, and take, you know, the, the sixth through 10th best kid in in, in Michigan. And that's going to be enough. And it was, I mean, make no mistake. It was for, for most of the time, but like Tucker's doing like Tucker, Tucker's taking kids out of Georgia who are not two stars. And it's weird. Like, and, and Brett, like, (laughs) You're 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 sort of like enmeshed in this in a, in a weird way as like the king of MSU Twitter, but like you you were were you like paying attention to to recruiting like this closely before before Tucker came along?
2: No, I I, I never really followed it. I mean, it was I mean, if you saw like if we we're going after somebody like Malik McDowell, I would pay attention just because he's from my area and a, obviously one of the top fifty or so recruits in the nation. But ultimately the it seemed like Coach Antonio didn't really put an emphasis on recruiting in both kind of his practice as well as, like, philosophy. Like, Coach Tucker, every time you hear him talk, he's talking about recruiting. Like, he's very in your face about it, which it's energized the fan base. Like you said, like, there's this energy around the program and university that I, I've i never really seen before. I mean, we've seen Final Four runs, championship runs for basketball, and, I mean, people get up for that. This, this is something – this is a totally different – environment like in it, it's incredibly exciting to see and yeah I think uh when I started following kind of the recruiting under coach Stocker, like I obviously got off to a little bit of a slow start but yeah it, I mean kind of where it's gone it's I, I don't th- I think it's exceeded everybody's expectation
3: yeah I mean you you could not have expected a top 25 class in in year in his first full class um, right because I'm not I, I think that, that starting in February of twenty twenty, especially as COVID hit, like I'm not I'm not really giving him that class. Like that that was a weird class. He did his best. Um I think that there 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 ultimately will be a couple of players who, who come out of it. I mean, um Chuck Brantley already, you you you've seen as a guy. Um but I like I, I don't know exactly how much that transition class is gonna is gonna produce, but I mean, already in this in this last class you you saw you know, a player like, like, uh, neither of his, his names is, is pronounceable to me, but like and Hauser, um, like he's, he's not a player that we've ever seen before. Like Michigan state was really good at turning three stars into five stars as redshirt seniors. Right. Like, and you see it in the pros, like, look, I love Connor or Kirk cousins. And I love Connor cook. And like, you know, like these, these are not like physical specimens whereas already like you see cat and hauser like the stories that are coming out like justin Thind, a uh, friend of the pod had had a story about cat hauser like he's already looking like an nfl prospect um and that's that's in a situation where he has a, a guy who just set records for michigan state in front of him um and like the last quarterback we had like that was was who maybe damian terry but maybe before that drew stanton you know, yeah, Jeff,
2: or Jeff even Smoker.
3: Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say Jeff Smoker, like is probably is probably the guy who you really look at because Stanton, Stanton was weird because Stanton was like such a Michigan state fan that like he, like he has one of my, my, my favorite stories of any recruiting trip ever. Um, Stumpy. I think, I think that, that, you know, this one as as well as, as anybody, if you want to tell it about his, like his interaction with Lloyd Carr.
1: Wasn't it? I was trying to remember his, uh, he lloyd carr said something about his spartan daddy yeah
3: he, right? he like like drew stan like went on like a junior day trip to to ann arbor and like lloyd carr was like no notably folksy like I, I don't think that he was like trying to be offensive like he was like oh i'm i see you're up here and oh where's your spartan daddy like because his dad was a, a michigan state guy and like that night drew stan committed to michigan state
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
3: um so like Stan was like a different breed. Like like you, you there there are certain players who commit to Michigan State because like they were always going to commit to Michigan State. There was no universe in which Byron Bulla was not going to commit to Michigan State. Matt Allen was was going to Michigan State. Um but like Caden Hauser was not he was not on the radar, right? Like like you know the, a lot of the players that they're bringing in right now they they these are not guys who grew up necessarily big state fans um, and they're still getting them. Right. Like Andrew Depepe didn't was, was, was penciled to Iowa or Penn state. And then suddenly Michigan State's like, Nope, yoink. Um, you know? So I, I think that that's like, that's, that's a really big Testament to, to Tucker and, and what the recruiting does, but that sort of gives us an opportunity to like really talk about Mark D'Antonio. And again, like I loved it. Coach D'Antonio, coach D'Antonio took us from, the depths of the Bobby Williams, John L. Smith era to, to, I mean, the Rose bowl like that, that 2013 season, 2015 season. Um, I'm, I'm going to include the 2014 season because um, I don't remember the, the 2014 Ohio state game. Cause I was at Rick's and uh, last I remember Michigan state was up. <laughs> so <laughs>
1: That's the trick. If you black out when they're up, we still win.
3: Yeah, I mean that's. I, I don't want to talk about our, our trip to uh, to Boston, in which for years oh, after. Yeah, year. I, this is a digression, but we 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 took a trip to Boston, and for years afterwards, I thought that the Tigers beat the Red Sox. They lost, um, but like I had, I had decided to black out that memory. Ryan
1: Perry blew the game in the eighth inning, and I think Aesa blacked out her on the seventh. Yeah. So did you so say Don Kelly? right
0: No, Ryan. No, Perry, Ryan
3: Perry. Ryan Perry.
0: Ryan Perry. Oh, okay. yeah.
3: this is, this was the summer. Sorry, of, I'm slurring a little bit. Summer of 2010. That so that's, sounds right. Yeah. Uh, so, so anyways, so that was fun. Any um, but like the, the heights of the 2013 to 2015 era for D'Antonio is a height that Michigan state has not seen in. Um, you know, Brett, you, you said that you grew up in the same area as Malik Dick McDowell, I assume in the same sort of time frame. So in your lifetime as well. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, like I, I started, I was, I was able to start paying attention to Michigan state around the, the 97, 98 season. Like my first football memory was, was the 98, uh, Ohio state, Michigan state game. So like in my lifetime, the the heights of it were, were D'Antonio, but also like he did leave Michigan state in like a really tough position. So Nick, like, what do you, what do you think about like how the end sort of colors the D'Antonio era?
0: Were you asking me? Yes. Oh, um, well, yeah, I was just thinking like, you know, I've never seen any pictures of Mark D'Antonio getting on a a private plane during the bye week to go to some uh, high school kid's house and and recruit them. I I see that like every week with uh, Mel Tucker. So, I mean, it's just one guy is taking recruiting um, so much more seriously. It's just not even close. And then – um, you know it's so funny because, like Mel Tucker, he's obviously a, um, you know, he's done so much in his short time. He's he's clearly an ascending head coach, but obviously, you know, Michigan State, all their, you know, all their goals are are still in front of them. They haven't, you know, won the Big Ten or the Rose Bowl with him, and they they did that stuff with with D'Antonio, and we're we're sitting here saying, yeah, but you know, look at what happened at the end, of it, it's like. it's one of those things where, you know, in pro sports, you know, you would, you would sell all your draft picks to win the Super Bowl, but it doesn't really work like that in college. (laughs) You know, the rich just keep getting richer. You know, It, it was really just him being lazy arguably. So, uh, you know, obviously it's, he left them in a bad position and, and, um, but I think anybody, you know, if you would have said, um, to any Michigan State fan before Mel Tucker got here that he was going to do so well that he was going to earn, you know, a, a, what is a ten-year contract that he has yeah. now? It's it's ten, ten I years, mean,
3: ninety-five million.
0: I, um, I mean, I mean, we were looking for a, a football coach, and when when you're looking for a coach in college, it, it you know, when you're looking for any football coach, you want to see early success. You want to see um, somebody win with within their first five years with the team. I mean, you know, you just look around. If you don't win in your first five years, you're probably probably not that great of a coach, probably not going to win. So, you know, to to do what he's done so far in two years and then to be able to lock him up and it's like, this is our coach for a long time now. I mean, that is just so vital uh, for Michigan State, considering where they were at the end of the D'Antonio era. I mean, it's, it's just huge. You can't even – it's just – you can't even – uh Say how important it is.
3: Yeah, and, and be, because I think, like, and especially in, in, in Detroit media, like, we're, we're all from, from Metro Detroit here. We all grew up reading Pat Caputo, for better or worse. Um, I mean, we did. But we got the free press at my house. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't speak broke. I I, I like, I, I, I'm I pro, what was it, the Oakland press? Um, yep. Because, yep. Because when my, my brother, on a whim decided to be a journalist they were like sure you can be a journalist for us and now he works for the Washington Post um so like shout out to the Oakland Press for allowing him to make money while he was abroad. um but uh but anyways like the point is is that like in in Detroit media that like, there was a lot of stuff about like well what are we going to do what's Michigan State going to do when when Mark D'Antonio leaves like they're just going to go back to the depths of, of Bobby Williams and and Mel Tucker, you know, obviously stemmed that tide and, and turned that around. But I think that like, as we talk about sort of where, where we remember Mark D'Antonio, um, I mean, I think that, like, yeah, like the last couple of years, 2018 and 2019 were tough, but like 2017 was a, a good year. I mean, he, he took a team that was coming off of a three and nine season and went and won double digit games, you know? And, and I went like, I went to the holiday bowl that year and it was like, his team could do some stuff. Right, like you had, you had, you had a lot of a lot of excitement around that team. Um, So like 2018 and 2019 were were difficult. You know, part of that was Brian Lewerke got hurt uh, in 2018; his shoulder stopped working, and like that was it. Uh, And you know, it it wasn't the the depth wasn't quite there in 2019. You saw it really flesh out in 2020. Um, But like I I think that like his legacy, uh, you know, in terms of Michigan State coaches since you know, going back, like he's right there with, with George Perlis with not with Doherty or, or Munn because they won titles, but you know, he, he's right there with Perlis and honestly Saban, you know, in their time there, he did things that Saban couldn't do. He did things that Perlis did. Um, but I, like I, I, when I think of, of the, the, the best coaches in Michigan state history, I mean, he's right there with the ones who didn't win a title. Um, and Mel Tucker, you know, I think he's going to get there. I think that I have no doubt that in the next couple of years, Michigan state will be able to catch Ohio state sleeping. Um, because that's the game, right? Like that's the game in the big 10 is, is what can you catch Ohio state in a year where they're not a death machine? Um, you know, that could have been this year. It, it, Michigan state didn't quite have the horses, but, um, you know, and they didn't catch them in the snow with some bullshit, but, uh, (laughs) we'll, we'll, we'll get to, to Harbaugh in a second, but, um, you know like i I, th- I think that D'Antonio is is right there you know and and he did stabilize the program you know people do forget that like the the notable moment from two thousand six and the John l. Smith era was mike valenti right right like that's how we remember the j l s era at least i do I, I don't know about the rest of you, but like choking on applesauce is like how I remember the John l. Smith era um, I mean, <laughs>
0: you'll never never forget those the games against Notre Dame and Ohio State,
3: yeah. Um, like slapping yourself in the face. That was fun. Uh, well, that was Ohio state, right? No, the, the Ohio state, Ohio state was, um, slapping yourself in the face was the, uh, was, uh, Notre Dame 2005. And then, um, uh, the, the Ohio state was the kids are doing great and the coaches are screwing it up. Uh, That's it. Oh, right. That's the one I always forget. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pe- people yeah. forget. Oh, I got to get this in
0: there. Ashton, Ashton, your booty blocked a uh, fast field goal for a touchdown.
3: Yep. That was, that was fun. I, I watched that game. I was, we were in high school. Uh, I don't know about you, Brett, but like the three of us were in high school. Uh, I remember watching that game and I remember like that happened. And like, you remember like certain games as being like, Oh, I'm done this season. Like this, this season is done. We are, we are moving on. And like when that happened, I was like, okay, all right, well, uh, I hope that we can find a good new coach. Uh, I don't like. I don't remember who the the co- like the coaching carousel at the time, but I remember thinking to myself like, man, it's Rodriguez. That, I actually like. I actually was because I am such a big fan of Pat White. Um, I did actually think to myself like, man, that that West Virginia coach might might do well up here.
1: Uh, <laughs> I know that's why I baited you into it.
3: Yeah, uh, he did not work out well in the upper Midwest. Um, But, but Brett, like you, you said that you weren't like as engaged in like the recruiting, but like, how do you view Mark D'Antonio? Because obviously like you're, you're, you're very, you're very in this, but like, you know, looking back and and, and assessing the full, whatever it was, 13 years of the D'Antonio era.
2: Yeah. I think I'm on the same page. I view him in probably like one of the highest respects of any coach in terms of both college and pro sports in Detroit, recent history in my lifetime just because he took the program to such highs and obviously we we can look at 2016 i mean that 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 stuff happens you have those years and the way he left the program it's interesting because when it when he originally left in february 2020 there was a lot of animosity because the timing he left kind of the manner he did it just kind of posting on Twitter for the first time in like two years, just this like <laughs> Kyler Murray-esque note. Um, it was very interesting and kind of that whole time period of the coaching search, I think it left a lot of people with a really bad taste in their mouth. But over time, that's kind of disappeared. And I think he coached Antonio's done a really nice job in – the interviews he's done in terms of speaking with people of things he wish he would have done, like mentioning after they made the playoff in 2015, he wishes he would have gone to our donors and boosters and really done more to get more resources for the program. So they could have emulated kind of what Clemson has been able to do, where that you, you make the playoff, you got to capitalize. Like you saw the recruiting rankings jump up, but the facilities never kind of match that. So um, that's kind of one thing. And I think he, he realized he, he couldn't really adapt to the new recruiting style. I mean, it's just so it's. It, there's no offseason in college football because the second season ends, you're hosting. <laughs> no, visits. ask Dan Mullen. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, oh, Dan Mullen. I, I've heard so many stories about Dan Mullen. Let me tell you, but yeah, I think I think in terms of Coach Antonio, um, I think this season helped kind of push it. Like, I this is going to be corny, but it kind of it kind of allowed him to hand the program off to uh, Coach Tucker, especially that video Josh Pate from 247 posted after the game against uh, the team down the road where we beat them. He's showing D'Antonio just kind of like basking in that victory. And I think that was a really cool kind of passing the torch moment. And I think some of those sins from February 2020 are kind of washed away now. It's like we can remember the good times. Uh, The program's in really good hands now. So it wasn't like whatever we thought it was going to be. Um, I think it just kind of comes full circle
3: and I, I think that that moment um, that you're talking about the the, the Josh pate video um, like I it, it was it was such like a like and it, it's rare you get it in real life but like like mm-hmm. a, a metaphor in a video right like him watching like this thing that he built and that he almost let crumbled and then it was like nope it's in good hands it's okay I did my job it's all okay um and I I, I, I do wonder this. I think that D'Antonio had a succession plan, um, and I think that he had very clear understanding with his protege down in Cincinnati. And then something happened. Um, and I wonder how much of D'Antonio leaving in February, when he did, how he did, was related to, oh, it's okay because Luke is going to come in and it's fine. And 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 he and, and look, Luke Fickle is is a at this point I think we can comfortably say elite college football coach um you know he's not paid like it but 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 I, I don't know that there are five coaches that I would rather have you know that you could get and and I think that D'Antonio thought that Fickle was coming I think that they had conversations I think that D'Antonio thought that he had left the the, the program in good hands and then something happened and then look it worked out for us because we got Tucker um but I do wonder how much how much D'Antonio thought it was going to go from an Ohio State defensive coordinator who seasoned himself at Cincinnati and then took over at Michigan State. Um, so I, I, I don't know exactly how how he thought that that would progress. I think that it, it's worked out for him. And what's worked out for you is whenever you deal with uh, the sponsor.
1: This is what he means when he's talking about being ham fisted.
0: Learn more at marines.com.
3: Thanks, Greg. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, th- I think that we, we, we have a good sense here. And now it's time to talk about the, you know, as, as, uh, as Brett, you mentioned, the the team down the road and the coach down the road. Um, because yeah. part of, part of the, the, the theory with Tucker is that he's going to be drawn back to the NFL, that the NFL is going to want him at some point, And and he might go. Um that that sort of stigma has also attached itself to another coach who desperately, desperately wants to go to the NFL and nobody wants him. Um, so like I I think like when we talk about Harbaugh, um, and and Nick, I want to go to you first about this. Like, do you think that his flirtations and desperate begging for an NFL job without getting one like changes the way that people view him or no?
0: Ooh, that's a tough question because I don't know. I don't I, like. It's so interesting. I think Harbaugh's legacy is it's going to have a lot to do with like you know what he does going forward. Still, because it's like if Michigan starts rattling off Big Ten titles, which which no one really expects them to do, no. um, <laughs> that would be super impressive. Um, uh, but if he, you know, just kind of is trying to go back to the nfl like all the time which which he's kind of he said um, that he's not going to do after this last time but no one believes him so i don't know it's just kind of an interesting spot because his credibility is definitely taking a hit with uh you know that him trying to go to the nfl just it, it just reeked of desperation um yeah. you know obviously obviously he was he he was the source of that story that said there was the done deal uh, for him to go to, to the Vikings. And that couldn't have been further from the truth. I mean, he got there and, and they were and they you know, actually interview him about football. And he was like, are you kidding me? Yeah.
2: I, I, it, was, it was literally like Michael Scott in the office when he goes to corporate. That's exactly what yes. happened. Oh,
3: hundred <laughs> percent. It's like, it's a funny thing with Jim Harbaugh because we have on this podcast defended Jim Harbaugh for a really long time because Michigan fans um, spent the last year
1: unrealistic, yeah, unrealistic dirtbags.
3: Yeah, and it's like, oh, Matt Campbell would be better. And it's like, would he? I mean, like, I wouldn't mind if Michigan replaced Jim Harbaugh with Matt Campbell because I don't think Matt Campbell is an especially good coach. But like, sure. Um, but like, it's so funny to watch this unfold because Michigan for better or worse. And like, look, like we're, we're all some measure of Michigan state fan here. Um, but Michigan, like it, it does fashion itself a blueboard. Um, and Jim Harbaugh could not want to leave more. And it's clear, right? Like, like he, he, he was, he was, he was begging Stephen Ross for the Miami job. And Ross was like, Nope, not going to take you away from Michigan. And he, he was, he was leaking stories like Nick said, like, Oh, he's, he's gone to Minnesota. We, we, we recorded an emergency podcast joking about it and he didn't leave. Like Minnesota was like, nah, we'll take um, Kevin O'Connell, which like fine. But like Jim Harbaugh quarterback whisperer was not the guy for Kirk cousins, which granted that would have been amazing content. I would say that's, that's (laughs) my
1: only, that's my only regret that he didn't leave because like I would kill for any footage of, jim harbaugh having to have a conversation with kirk cousins i cannot even imagine i can't yeah i can't even
3: imagine how awkward and weird that conversation would be given what i know about kirk cousins i think that it's like not unlikely that he would get a custom shirt made of jim harbaugh in michigan state clothing and just wear it to the facility every day um because (laughs) like like kirk has this like weird image i think it's because like he's like religious of like being like a very nice, like he is not a nice guy. Like he's like a, a a a violent competitor who hates Michigan. Um like like people like remember like Draymond being like very anti-Michigan and Kirk Cousins was right there with him. Like they're the same era and they had the same hatreds. Um so like I, I think speaking I, of other conversations I like to overhear. I mean, you know, whatever. Um, but so so I think like from a from a a Michigan State like an unabashed Michigan State fan perspective, like Brett, like remember towards the end of the the Hoke era, I don't know if you if you remember this. I remember this. Oh, Michigan yeah. State fans were like bringing signs to games like "Keep Hoke," "Retain Hoke," uh, and out. like like look. I I I, I wrote a, a a pretty awesome article about Brady Hoke when he was hired uh, that was entitled a hokey hire. Please check out the Michigan daily. It's wonderful. They really tried to take it down. Um, but, uh, but like I, I, Brady Hoke was never like the guy, right? Like sugar bowl season aside, but like, are, would, how do you feel about the Jim Harbaugh era? Like, do you feel like he is someone like you wouldn't mind seeing for the next 10 years at Michigan or is, or is it like, let him move on and, and let's see what the next coach is, ne- ne- the next guy?
2: I could not be more thrilled that this weirdo is going to be staying in Ann Arbor for the foreseeable future. <laughs> the fact he spent his offseason after finally reaching the mountaintop of beating OSU in eight, they handled OSU. They dominated that football game. Then they go, they win the big 10 championship. They obliterate Iowa. And then the, obviously George is going to do Georgia things to them. So that's, that's kind of Michigan's peak under Harbaugh. So, but then literally, like, not even 24 hours later, he's on he's on the side of the street twerking for NFL offers, and it just could not be better because this is the perfect scenario. If you're a Michigan State fan, it's like, hey, we already Mel Tucker owns this dude. Like, he owns so much real estate in this guy's head, the Michigan fan base, and now they get to use this thing of Jim Harbaugh. Is like I said, he, he's twerking on the side, the sidewalk, trying to get an NFL job. He's pulling on Michael Scott, saying, "I'm going to Minnesota." He was, he was legitimately in the offices in Ann Arbor, telling people goodbye. He loved working with them, and it it, it, it just, it, it's beautiful. So yeah, I'm, I could not be more thrilled that he is going to be staying there because they pose absolutely zero threat to us, and I think it helps us in terms of both recruiting as well as. Uh, I think they pissed off Ohio State so much, kind of with their comments at the third base, and we can dive into that. But yeah, I, I I'm thrilled. I'm you can't see me because I have my camera off, but I'm i my I have the biggest smile on my face right now. I love that Jim Harbaugh is going to be at Michigan,
3: and and like that's sort of like that's sort of the, the the measure of a coach, right? Like how does your rival feel about this coach? Michigan fans hated Mark D'Antonio. Like I I I I remember like I had conversations with Michigan fans about Mark D'Antonio and the hatred that they still have for him is palpable. And like, who's the last Michigan coach you really hated? I mean, for me, it's like Lloyd Carr, I guess. Kinda. Kinda. Not even. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I, I have a lot more animosity towards Wisconsin coaches in both football and, and the, the sport that I don't talk about on this podcast because I can't be trusted. Um, but like, I have way more animosity towards, towards the Brett Bielema's of the world than I do towards, towards any Michigan coach. Because, like, I mean, Jim Harbaugh has what? He's beaten bad Michigan State teams, right? 2016, 2018, 2019. When Michigan State has, has, has their shit even sort of together, they beat Michigan. And even when they don't have their shit together, because, like, the COVID year was, like, Rocky Lombardi and Inshallah, and it worked, <laughs> right? Yeah, yep. but in fairness,
1: like, we learned this year via Northern Illinois that, like, Rocky Lombardi and whatever Rocky Lombardi pulls out <laughs> of his ass is apparently good enough to beat most teams.
3: It's, uh, you know, I, like, I I know that we're not talking about, like, player legacy here, but Rocky Lombardi and Ricky White, regardless of whatever else happened, um, just... Rocky such- Lombardi is, like, 11-3 and three lo- <laughs> in
1: Division One football in one-score games
3: he's, he's, he's a phenomenal D'Antonio quarterback. Like that's all I'll say about Rocky Lombardi. Like that dude was built to play in, in, in the D'Antonio system. It's like a shame he never got to. Um, but we're, we're happy for him. He's, he's a, he's an SD4L as they say. Um, I think, I think I, how do we feel about guys who transfer away because they clearly were not going to play? I feel I feel okay I think- about them. Right.
2: Yeah, I, it, I think it, it depends on the player. I think with Rocky, because of kind of that game he had, he he, he gets the title. But yeah. you, you see some other guys like, I know we're not going to talk about that the other sport with the ball that you bounce, but Thomas Kithier, he doesn't get that title. No, no.
3: Foster Lawyer, I, I, think, I think, does,
2: I, though. Yes, he does, because he, <laughs> he
3: he played a little
2: bit in the tournament when we made a Final Four. and Tried Michigan really kids. hard. Yeah, he, he uh, yeah. Um, I and, don't, Asa, I,
1: How do you feel about calling Nick Foles a Michigan State
3: quarterback? Michigan State quarterback. Prove me wrong. I, I think hey, that well, answers yeah, your Michigan
2: question. State quarterback. Yeah, like Ohio State claims Joe Burrow.
3: Yeah, and 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 I would say like it's yeah. Nick super-
1: Foles has never come out had to come out and publicly say don't talk to me. I hate
3: you guys. <laughs> yeah, and Nick Foles. People forget this, but in the run up to the uh to the Super Bowl, he he credited Mark D'Antonio. He said, like, Mark D'Antonio was, like, that year at Michigan State was, like, huge for my development. Um, like, I would not be the quarterback I am if I didn't have that year with with Kirk and, and Brian Hoyer, uh, NFL quarterback Brian Hoyer, still, still. Um, but I, I think it's, it's an interesting thing about Michigan and where they are as a program and as, as like, sort of like a, a, an idea. Because for so long growing up in, in Metro Detroit, and again, I grew up in the, the, the Lloyd Carr era um like Michigan was untouchable right like it was like Michigan and Ohio State and that's all that matters and it's like we're now what we're, we're 25 years removed from Bo Schembechler we're we're now what 28 years 25 years removed from no we're, we're more than 25 years removed from Bo Schembechler we're 25 years yeah. removed from from a half of a, a national title yeah right uh don't drink and drive kids um at, that's that's a 20 that's a 30 year old burn almost yes uh, but
1: also seriously don't drink and drive s-
3: seriously don't drink and drive um but like it's it's an interesting thing with michigan because like you look at them as a program and is michigan a more impressive program at this point for a recruit than wisconsin No, uh, but is that a bad thing, thing? No. no but what i'm saying is wisconsin is not special Wisconsin is, is a, a upper tier program. Like is Michigan more impressive than Texas or Texas A&M? Yes. No. And no. respectively. <laughs> I mean, Texas is that but.
2: Not with that oil money coming into Texas A&M. Uh,
3: Jimbo Fisher is offended that you think that money has anything to do with his recruiting classes. So
2: oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, let me go on the record and apologize to Jimbo. I forgot how, <laughs> how impressive, how, how impressive that nine and three season was, uh, I'm sure kids, are the top, top kids in America, they're just lining up to play for that.
1: I don't think you need to apply to, or uh, apologize to Jimbo for that because that joke actually works two ways because Jimbo also gets $9.5 million a year.
3: <laughs> uh, like, it, that would, I, I got to tell you, like Jimbo Fisher coming out and saying, oh, uh, I'm offended that you think that these kids would, would be coming to College Station, Texas for any other reason than to be in College Station, Texas. And look, I've never been to college station, Texas. I've been to Austin. I've been to Tuscaloosa. I've been to new Orleans once. There are a lot of places in the sec West that I would rather go than, than East Texas. And, and Jimbo Fisher is an okay coach.
1: I'm glad we agree that Tulane is still in the sec West.
3: Whatever, whatever. <laughs> You look. Look, I've never been to Baton Rouge, but I assume Baton Rouge is better than freaking College Station. But they don't have a dog.
1: Better food.
3: They don't have a dog. I mean, like, if Jimbo is 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 recruiting on Miss Rev, like, okay, I I like dogs.
1: I can't believe Jimbo can eat anybody through recruiting just because of how like quickly he speaks. I can't believe anybody can even understand him. Hey, I, I want you to come
3: down and take a look at big thing. What talks in dollar signs. Yeah, I mean, but again, we apologize. Allegedly, we would never imply, Jimbo, that something that is actually legal in college football right now, which is NIL payments, uh, you would use. We would never impugn your players for wanting to um, make money off of their work. Uh, yeah,
1: we wouldn't, but uh, Lane Kiffin probably already has. I mean, I love Lane,
3: whatever. I, I, I have nothing bad to say
1: about Lane. <laughs> Um, I can't so, believe he's still. Do you get like? Do you follow on Twitter? He's still doing that recruiting trip thing, where he like just takes pictures of himself wherever there are coach openings.
3: I love him. He is he's <laughs> he's truly a credit to whatever college football is like. And and well, we're going to talk about pro football in a second because I, I think that I want to talk about Dan Campbell a little bit, Um, because Dan Campbell is an, is an example of a coach who's like maybe he's good, but maybe he's not. And, and like how much of who he is as a person like matters for that. But Lane Kiffin behaving the way that he does is so specifically college football. And I had, I had a conversation with our overlords in London the other day about away games and what it's like and what the tenor is. And and I was like saying like, yeah, like we, we don't really have that in America, except in college football where it's like, there's this weird tracking coaches, like who's going to be our next coach, like weird recruiting shit. And Oh, by the way, if you go to an away game, like depending on where you go, the people will be super nice before they curse you out. Um, which I've been on uh, the other end of, I went to a a game at Notre Dame once I, I got cursed out and then offered cocaine. I said, no, um, because, uh, I don't, this is being recorded because it's being recorded and I don't do drugs. (laughs) Um, but like, but like the way that Lane Kiffin behaves, like imagine that in any other corporate context, like he is the head of a multi-million dollar industry and he's constantly saying, maybe I'll leave guys. What do you think?
1: I mean, or the fact that uh, the Michigan's coach for the sport that we do not talk about actually assaulted somebody <laughs> a week ago and still has a job that like think about another corporate. I mean, I've heard that law firms sometimes have a one punch rule, but like, that's it. <laughs>
3: And strictly speaking, this was not his first punch. First punch to the connective, um, but not his first throw. Face slap. Face slap. And also, if you remember Krabbenhoff when he played, again, I, I, I have serious antipathy towards uh, Wisconsin. He was Brad Davison before Brad Davison. Like, if you're going to punch a guy like he's one of them, it's like, it's like Aaron Kraft. Like,
1: oh, yep. <laughs> it's Aaron Craft, Grayson Allen.
3: Yeah, like if if you told me that 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 Aaron Kraft got punched in the face, I would be like, yeah, I get it.
1: <laughs> I just like sl- I, I
3: like squinted and just be like, good, it. <laughs> and it, it was sort of like like um Spike Albrecht at Michigan, where it's like, oh, someone slapped him. And you're like, yeah, okay. Like I'm sure he deserved it. I I, I don't know. Um, like Hunter Dickinson, at some Mo Wagner actually is is probably my my best example of someone who just had sort of had a slapable face. Biggie, um, uh, yeah, Brad But see, I have no antipathy towards him because uh, Aaron Henry stole his soul. I'm not talking about basketball. Um, let's talk about Dan Campbell. <laughs> um, uh, Brett, you mentioned that you you grew up in in the Southfield-ish area um because that's where Malik Dick McDowell is from uh are, are you a Lions fan like the rest of us or are you like do you actually want them to succeed
2: here's the deal with the Lions I have sadly been a diehard fan my entire life we I are. try to keep that off off Twitter just because <laughs> it is I, I could tell so many stories I mean I'll, I'll tell a quick one back in after the 2008 season 2009 training camp rolls around they had an open signing day at Ford Field and Matthew Stafford's there and I'm the first person in line I start sprinting in there to get his autograph I bust my ass on the stairs I fall I finally get his autograph but yeah that's that's kind of yeah that's that's kind of the summation of it yeah I'm I'm a I'm a die-hard Lions fan
3: and and so 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 the reason I ask is because we I mean the the Greg and I are are certainly Lions fans Nick I think is a is a Lions fan in the way that the rest of us are Lions fans which is like it's the team he probably pays most attention to. Nick, you, you, you can comment on this in a second, but like we all like the lions are the team that I pay the most attention to. I, I can tell you who plays for the lions. And when the lions lose, I'm like, good, you deserve it because you're a sinful boy. And like, that's how I feel about the lions. Like, like, I, I don't know who it was. Like someone was like, oh, you're lions fans. Haha. and, and, oh, it was Adam at USMNT fan, uh, Stan. I was like, haha! a yeah. Lions fans like you can't hurt us more than we hurt ourselves. I promise.
2: We, we sign up for this.
3: Yeah, I am dead inside. You can't hurt me. Yeah, so so I I posted on Twitter the other day that like the worst decision of my adult life was becoming a Tottenham Spurs fan, and someone was like, "Oh well, you know the team really chooses the player, so you should examine like what decisions you've made that make you a Spurs fan." And I was like, "I'm a Lions fan. Like, what? You you think this happened that accident?" <laughs>
1: I sought this out.
3: Uh, like so, Nick. I I actually don't know where you are in your Lions fan cycle. Are are you like supportive of the Lions, or are you in that part of where like you 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 hate them and want them to fail constantly?
0: Well, so it's really weird. It's just in such. It just got so weird, right? <laughs> because like, uh, so my dad's old. Like my dad now is seventy. You know, like he was alive when the Lions won the world championship um and you know he's seen he's seen it all and he you know so i've turned uh i was a lions fan of course and i turned the carrying down to about zero uh when they fired uh jim caldwell pretty much pretty much when calvin johnson retired um it was pretty much that was the end of them having a chance to win with matthew stafford i think uh that was what really got me into the Lions was when um like I didn't care like I mean I had like you know a Charles Rogers jersey or whatever but I didn't care about the Lions sorry. We
3: we all had that Charles Rogers jersey I think. Yeah like I had a Charles Rogers Lions
0: jersey but like I didn't care. I didn't think the Lions had any you know chance of winning anything with like Joey Harrington as their QB or you know whatever was going on. Um so like yeah my dad like still follows the Lions because his team, but, like, um, you know, I have a lot of other interests, like <laughs> DFS, <laughs> that gambling, so, like, I'm not, like, you know, sitting here waiting for the Lions to win the Super Bowl anymore. Like, that's over for me. But, like, I was at a Tigers game in April of 2009 before the NFL draft, and I walked out, and we were walking by Ford Field, and I started chanting Stafford, Stafford. <laughs> I mean, um, I was all in on that guy. I was all in on Jim Schwartz. You know, Jim Schwartz had the, you know, football outsiders co cosign, Belichick co-signed, business degree from Georgetown. Like, he was, at the time, he was a hot shit head coach. Lions made some noise with Stafford and Jim Schwartz, they made the playoffs like this idea that Jim Caldwell took them from nothing and got them to the playoffs. That was Jim Schwartz. Actually, the, the teams that Jim Caldwell had were had a lot of talent on them. Obviously, Jim Schwartz needed to be fired. He was like right. they were, you know, the team just completely lost all discipline. He was a terrible head coach. He was also the <laughs> defensive coordinator of a, of a championship team not that long after I mean four um,
3: years four years later I think he right. was, and, he was and, fired and, in like 2013
0: and I don't want to take anything away from uh Jim Caldwell either I Jim Caldwell was um you know the offensive coordinator of the Ravens when Joe Flacco and then won the Super Bowl, and we all know who lost that Super Bowl, Jim Harbaugh. But anyway,
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> that 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 was that was the type of cheap shot that we we specialize on on this podcast.
0: That was, yeah, that was so very, like, I'm not I'm not just saying like, oh, Jim Schwartz, this amazing coach, and Jim Caldwell stinks, but like. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when the Lions had Matthew Stafford and they passed on Aaron Donald in the draft. And Jim Caldwell was not the head coach of the Lions at the time. And the Detroit Free Press reported that they couldn't even, the, you know, according to the defensive line coach, Jim Washburn, they couldn't even get Jim Caldwell to watch Aaron Donald's college tape. So, Again. of course, they drafted it.
3: I, I'm, I'm going to take this opportunity to to reiterate what is, I believe the, the, the most like closely held uh, opinion of this podcast, which is that every NFL team should have one dude who watches college football exclusively and says things like, Hey man, that Aaron Donald dude is really good. Like, are you sure you don't want to take him? Because that like, that that's an example of like, we all knew that Aaron Donald was like a, a, a killer. Um, okay
0: okay okay but there's like a million examples of guys guys who watch college football overrating guys who
3: are oh sure sure trent richardson is a guy
1: we we we
3: were all
0: very wrong (laughs) literally a guy
3: he's just on the street right now
1: (laughs) but like here's my here's my process
0: here's my process don't watch college football i watch highlight tapes highlight videos on youtube five minutes at a time after the season it works fine for fantasy
1: <laughs> i can yeah i can actually test to that because nick will just like randomly text me hey i watch this youtube video on failing bricks this guy's really good
3: <laughs> i think my favorite one of those was uh, immediately after the season we in the group chat we got a text like so what sam howell question mark and i was like no no, no. yeah no, no no he does suck And he was like oh okay cool Good. I, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't missing something. Like, no, no, no. He he does suck. Uh, Malik Willis might be
0: good. I literally, I literally fell asleep watching Sam Howell Senior highlights.
3: He's <laughs> he's Daniel Jones, but worse. And I mean that with he all was disrespect. Weird. <laughs> um. So, oh, so wait, I, anyway,
0: back to the Lions. I'm right. literally wearing a Lions shirt and a Rams Super Bowl hat right now.
3: Uh. Yeah. That. Checks out. That's where that's where we're at. That's where we're at. <laughs> um, so so before we we're, we're we're running a little bit close on time. So um, let's just like quickly go around. Uh, Brett, like, how, do do you think Dan Campbell gets gets the the Lions back to the playoffs, or or does do knees go unbitten bit unbit unbited?
2: Yeah, I, I think really we we kind of saw the progression of the team. I, I had a lot of questions. Really, the first. 10, 11 weeks to the year up until that Thanksgiving game through the Thanksgiving game rather. Cause I think that was our worst game of the year. But after that, when he took over play calling duties, it the whole kind of chemistry and dynamic of the team changed in a really positive direction. I think you saw some of the guys really develop uh, talent wise, both on both sides of the ball. Um, I think really his coordinators. Uh, now that he promoted the, the QB coach and you have uh, Aaron Glenn, I think he did a fantastic job. Hopefully they can keep Aubrey pleasant in the fold as well, but yeah, I think I think this this upcoming year, you you want to be kind of the same level of just like, eh, just because next year's draft, you you got to get that quarterback. Like we saw it with like that. There's no if ands or bots. Like, I don't care. You got to trade the farm to go get your quarterback in 2023. But yeah, I think I think probably coming up in that 2023 2024 season, that's when you're going to see this team back in the playoffs. But it wouldn't shock me if. Aaron Rodgers leads the Packers this offseason if you see the Lions potentially compete to win this division because I think it just it's really that I mean it's like the NFC East like it's just not inspiring at all so yeah I I think yeah I think Dan Campbell I don't know if he's going to win the Super Bowl but I think he can get this uh uh, franchise back to the playoffs within next two three years
3: well Justin Fields is your second best quarterback in in your division like it's open
2: yeah,
1: <laughs> absolutely.
3: And like, if if Aaron Rodgers leaves, like, is that even a debate? Like, is just Justin Fields is the second best quarterback in that division, and the first best is Kirk Cousins and K. Like,
2: exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not. And it, Jared Goff, like, I'm not. You'll never hear me defend Jared Goff. He's just so incredibly average. It's like he can do enough. He can just hand like our offensive line in the run blocking is one of the five best in the nfl and i think you're gonna have a chance to add some talent on that side of the ball this offseason and listen if jared goff he's got those little baby hands but if he can just throw these like (laughs) 10 yard passes to alman ra hawkinson and i mean whoever we draft in terms of wide receivers hopefully get someone like drake london but i think you're gonna have the chance to have an offense that puts up enough points where you can win some games and who knows what the division looks like yeah i mean if, if you're going into Soldier Field in the end of December and you see Justin Fields staring you down, like, I mean, come on, you're you're gonna bite some kneecaps. Like that, that's kneecap <laughs> fighting season. <laughs>
3: uh, and and I can't uh, improve on that. So uh, a special thank you to our uh, to our guests, uh, Brett and and Nick. Uh, Nick is is sort of a, a regular guest. Brett, we'd we'd love to have you back. You can find uh, Brett at Odell Bretham Jr. Um, he is, like I said, he's the king of of Michigan State Twitter. You want to see what's going on in Michigan State Twitter? He's the guy. Um, he had he had a there was some post on the Red Cedar message board today from you that I that like I uploaded for some reason. But he's also uh, active there. But that's not really a place you need to go unless you're like ready, like you true sicko. <laughs> like you need to be ready. You don't you don't just like go in there blind uh you can find nick yeah, just stand outside the window and laugh at the <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. And that's exactly what that, that site is
3: um but we love the red cedar message board please don't add us uh you can find nick uh on twitter at electric snuff um nick you got any viral tweets in the in the in the drafts or or we 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 just gotta wait for him.
0: the thing about viral tweets is uh you're not the one who decides if they go viral or not, right? <laughs>
3: um, for all of your worst takes and your worst opinions about all of this, please at Mr. Mojo rising 89. Um, he loves them. He loves it when you randomly tweeted uh, and you can, find, <laughs> you can find me. you uh, can find me usually at, uh, at the, the mothership uh, Twitter handle at TLS underscore n underscore TDS. Um, if I'm not there, I'm at uh diamonds Esquire, but I don't usually respond there. And, um, Thank you to our sponsors, the Smith Workforce Management Group, as well as whoever Blue Wire decided to put in. Um, and thank you to our to our listeners. Um, please like, subscribe, share, tell your friends, tell your local head coach who maybe doesn't want to be in Ann Arbor anymore. Um, and uh, as always, we couldn't and wouldn't do this without you. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.
1: Podcast Network.